Hello and welcome to the very first Soup Kitchen of Boynton Beach podcast. We've been around for over 38 years and really all we want to do is feed people, take care of them, and we've got an amazing uh, community of people that visit us every day or we deliver meals to. Anyway, you'll hear all about it in the podcast. In our first episode, please meet the CEO of The Soup Kitchen, Marlene Meha. Hi, Marlene. It's so nice to have you on our first podcast. There's so much to cover. You know, one of the reasons that I'm so uh, impressed and in love with the soup kitchen is it's all about giving, but you've got to, uh, you're giving from so many different ways, the volunteers and the, and the uh, partners that, that do, uh, donate the food and, and so forth. So there's, there's a lot to cover and I'm looking forward to, uh, to myself and everyone hearing about the soup kitchen, but uh, we know the soup kitchen is in its 38th year. Uh, and I, and I know that you've been with the soup kitchen. Is it 26 or, or not? Yes. Uh, it, close. I've been with the soup kitchen about 22 years. My husband has been there longer. Oh, very nice. So it's yeah. all in the family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. A- anyway. So what I was thinking is, Take me back as you know as best you can. I'm sure you you uh, you know. I'm thinking Boynton Beach, this area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 38, 39 years ago, uh, someone saw the need. Uh, so I, I'd, I'd like to uh, to start by having you tell us how the not how the idea and how it was executed so that we have what we have today. What, what was it like 38 years ago? Well, it was um, all about the migrant workers. Um, it was uh, in the area that we are, Dick, it was all agricultural. So uh, this prof- nonprofit organization uh, whose goal is to help the less fortunate members of, of our community um, was established to help out the undernourished and underemployed, under, you know, just the poor migrants and the homeless. Yes. Um, there were three ladies who began this and um, in 1983. So again, let's going back 38 years ago. And they saw the need for a hot meal, like a plate of soup or a sandwich. Uh, to feed the people around them. And that's how they started. They rented a van and off they went. A little bit later, they saw that the need was, you know, it's greater than they thought. And they, um, they were able to secure a small rundown place in West Boynton. It's about a half a mile west of where we are on Boynton Beach Boulevard, closer to 441. And when they opened up, the lines were, again, huge. Wow. It was a safe place for them to go. Nobody was, you know, bothering them. And they were able to eat a hot meal. That's how the whole thing started. Now, tell me about, you said three ladies uh, started it. Were these community leaders? Were they just people with good hearts that had a vision? What, what were they like? 
Well, actually, we knew one of them, um, Mrs. Homerich, Rita Homerich. Um, we they were just mar- farmers and owners' uh, wives who saw the need. Wow. I know it, it. It it was just starting like that. It really did just start like that, and then once they moved uh, to the to that little uh, place or little you know hole in the wall, right? And they grew. Um, in 1997, they were able to secure some people around us, and they were able to to move to the place where we are right now, which is uh, just uh, in the Caridad campus. Yes, and mm-hmm. and um. Uh, um, from what you said, it sounds like the guests, the people we served, it was a home run. Uh, but were there were growing pains? Was the community helpful? Were people volunteering or providing food? Uh, uh, what was the process like of of becoming established? Well, when once they moved there, um, they were they were just more concerned about the people in economic distress, families who did not receive community support and who were often exploited. So the word spread around and among the hungry and about the van offering the suit. They needed, you know, to do more. Yeah. Um, the goal was to feed more of the hungry and provide them a hot meal. And um, they were just the word spread, like I told you. The local businesses rallied together, providing materials, skilled know-how, and labor to completely renovate the building. Um, distribution of dry goods began with, with uh, three days a week um, in 1994, 1984, sorry. And um, by October, all the requires, requirements were met by the Palm Beach you know, County Health Department, and they were able to serve the cooked food. And um, that's how the soup kitchen began to serve hot meals. I think this is a, a great point uh, 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 to, to point out. A mm-hmm. great part of the, uh, the, this first uh, podcast mm-hmm. is that the soup kitchen proudly does not accept any local, state, federal money. And, um, and, and so it, it, it appears that the community was there when these three ladies came out with the idea, uh, it, it, their time had come. It was the right time. Correct. Correct. Um, it has always been its mission to feed the people in need, regardless of their circumstances, Dick. Um, the soup kitchen provides healthy and nutritious meals to all who come through our doors. No questions asked. And we're committed to improving the quality of life and restoring the dignity of those we serve when we provide a hot meal to any member of our. It, 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 I was thinking of the first time I came to the soup kitchen, you know, when I was um, uh, going to volunteer. And, and one of the things that I noticed was people don't have to sign in. They don't have to sign up. They don't have to ask. So th- there's there's absolutely nothing that would make someone feel uncomfortable uh, uh, about coming to the soup kitchen. No, uh, we have actually, uh, we, we do quest- no questions asked. Uh, we usually have them write their name um, just because we need to know how many people come in through the door. And instead of giving us uh, their children's names, we just write 
and put in a circle the amount of kids that they're feeding. However, with the pandemic, we haven't even done that. Uh, we just um, keep track of the numbers. Um, so, you know, it, it's, we do, we, we, uh, everybody's safe when they come in, everybody. So, um, uh, you started a few days a week, you had the truck, then you got the small place, then you moved into the, to the other place. So what was the, um, uh, I don't know, breakthrough, what was it, do you think, or looking back, mm-hmm. that had, that was the next step? You know, you started with the, you know, with the truck and the, and just a few days. Mm-hmm. What had you move into hyper speed? Um, you know, because we haven't even talked yet about adding meals on wheels, right. which is part of the soup kitchen. Right. But we bring food to the homebound seniors. They don't have to come to us. W- looking back, what what do you think was it that, that uh, uh, you know, made a huge difference in the evolution of the soup kitchen? Well, uh we have not remained still since the humble beginnings, you know. We have responded to the increasing needs of those we serve by providing more support. Uh, for example, in, in 2002, Dick, we began distributing turkeys and trimmings every year to our guests in time for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, that has changed a little bit. Um, it, this past year, we, we were able to give out meal a meal to 1400 over 1400 families um so you know it it it, it proved it and so it just snowballed is uh-huh. what you're saying so uh-huh. between you between the commitment of the people that run you know the soup kitchen yep. and the guests mm-hmm. it just it just that's how you can tell something is a is a, a natural success is that that you have a need and you fill it and and it's it's uh it's just a um a great community of people. Uh, talk to us uh mm-hmm. for a few minutes when I mention the word community because it's more than just uh, uh the guests, the needy guests coming uh, to us. You've got a you know, chef Pete is a magnificent chef yeah. that's churning out hundreds and hundreds, maybe a thousand mm-hmm. meals a day. Mm-hmm. And then you've got 30 volunteers in the kitchen that are helping get it to the guests. Mm-hmm. But then there's the, you know, the companies that deliver truckloads mm-hmm. of great food for them. So talk to us about what the whole community looks like at the soup kitchen. Wow. Um, where do I begin? Uh, we have over 322 registered volunteers. Wow. Whom I must tell you, we could not be doing what we do without them. Um, granted, last year with the pandemic, the numbers dropped considerably. We actually even asked some of the elderly, you know, uh, volunteers to stay home, remain home. And uh, we did for a while, we did with very, very few. We did it with a skeleton crew. Okay. So, so the volunteers have, have stuck with you and been with mm-hmm. you and, 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 and they're crucial. What about the um, Chef Pete, for uh-huh. example? What kind of support does he have to turn out these meals? Well, he gets there. I am not kidding you. Sometimes at one o'clock in the morning, and oh. I know he works a long time and he has uh, a, a group of people who come in early, like a five, you know, six in the morning 
help him put out the meals on wheels, which of course we will touch on later. Um, yeah. Then uh, at seven o'clock comes the, the regular shift, which is from seven to 12 every morning. And um, they put together a pantry, uh, a pantry, uh, hot food, meals to go, uh, bagged food to go, soup, drinks, uh, you name it. We have it. Whatever we have that day, it goes out. A hundred percent of everything that comes in goes out the same way. And now let's talk about the the um, our partners, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the, the supermarkets mm-hmm. and, and other food facilities. Yeah. Um, what's that process like to get, you know, fresh, wonderful, delicious food so that you can do this six days a week? Well, uh, we have about 147 routes between Monday and Sunday. And we have a couple of trucks that uh, we send out every morning and they go, you know, between all our partners and pick up whether it's a large chain like Publix or we could go to a small mom and pop shop like Dominic's Pizza, who we've been, you know, getting their pizzas every year, every single day uh, for the last at least 20 years that I remember. So, you know, we have we have quite a few places to pick up from. And it comes in the afternoon. Everything gets placed for the next morning. Everything gets bagged in the morning. And by the afternoon, everything is gone and we start anew. You know, I've been thinking, you you mentioned a few minutes ago about uh, the pandemic and and how that affected uh, uh, the the volunteers. Mm -hmm. But I know from talking to you, you've said that that the, uh, the need has increased. Our guests have increased by over 200 percent. Is that yeah, correct? We, uh, since February last year, uh, we started, you know, keeping track of the up um, of the rate uh, need, you know, that one meals. And at any given um, month, we have gone between 135 and 222 percent increase in meal consumption. And and with with little or no advertising, of course, we know you uh, that Soup Kitchen's on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. We hope that our podcast listeners will uh, will find us on social right. media and and follow us. But I guess the word just gets out within the guests, and they tell their friends and people they're with, and that's how the word got, gets out. That huh? is correct. Um, so, you know, we, we try to get on the news, on TV, and we try to, you know, we we also um, have a lot to do with Caridad next door. What you know, their patients are also our, our guests. We call them guests. Um, so, yeah, the word gets out. And we have had a very good, longstanding reputation with our community also where we see people, we invite them in. Again, we tell, we ask them no questions. Um, we've actually had people come in and, and, and uh, you know, never ask them, never ask them what the situation is because we always say in the kitchen that you never know what side of the counter you might be in at a certain stage in your life. So um, that's how we treat everybody with the same respect. Well, this is a perfect uh, uh, place for me to ask you to tell the story briefly about the person you noticed um, uh, as a volunteer. You know the story. Oh, are you talking? We talking about the young kid? 
The, okay. you know, right. The person that told you that, that he at one time was a guest. Well, I, a few months back, I think it was October. Uh, I, I saw this kid who was uh, new on the, on the, as a volunteer and I approached him and of course we're all wearing masks. So I said, would you, could you briefly remove your mask? So let me see your face. And then I said, um, I know you, have you been here before? And he said, yes, ma'am. And I said, you've been here before, correct? He says, yes, ma'am. And I said, you were on the other side, were you not? And he said, yes, ma'am. I used to come here with my mom when I was a little boy and you used to feed us. And um, I wanted, now that I'm 19, I'm going to college and I wanted to pay back by becoming a volunteer at the soup kitchen. So imagine that. It gives you goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, uh, you know, this, everything that we talk about has so many ways that we could jump mm -hmm. off because you just mentioned kids. And I think it's important, you know, the soup kitchen, okay, you can visualize that people come in and we hand, give them food or Meals on Wheels we deliver. But you've got quite a program mm -hmm. for babies mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, mothers with babies. Tell me about that. Well, in 2008, we launched a weekly educational program uh, of taking care of our babies. And we share information on how to properly care for their children uh, we have seen expectant and mothers of young children take the well-being of their family more seriously since we began the, these classes. On a, on a normal year, what we do is we allow them after we have closed down the uh, the cafeteria, the, the the dining side, and allowed them in and gave them like a 15-minute talk. Let's say we would invite a, uh, a pediatrician to talk about infant diabetes, and they would sit down for 15 minutes. Uh, one day it would be in Spanish for the Hispanic population. One day it would be in Creole for the Haitians. And they needed to come in with their children and they would talk to them. And uh, we saw that there was good, very good um, uh, taking of, the, of these uh, um, class. Yeah, they were excited uh -huh. about, uh, about, the pro about the program. Right. And and um, I, I, I don't. Am I interrupted? Do you have more to say about that? Because I wanted to ask you, how many diapers do you give away every month? <laughs> well, let me. Yeah, going back to to what I was saying is, I we also uh, at the end of, the, of this um, uh, class, we provide them with diapers, baby wipes, formula, baby products, and new clothing. Um, roughly, Dick, uh, we give out about. Two hundred and ten thousand dollars worth of diapers every year, free of course. Oh my! Free because of course, as you know, we do not charge for any single one of our programs. Right. So, uh, is that the baby program or the and the diapers mm -hmm. and all the everything you just mentioned? Is that every day or are there certain days of the week to come for that? For uh, because of the pandemic, we had to uh, narrow down to one day. So now we're only doing it on Fridays. Um, but it's a beautiful, uh, socially distanced line that we have out, outside the door. And uh, we distribute it to them. And um, they're just very happy to be there. You know, you see on, on, on the news, you know, national news, you know, talking about the, the need has skyrocketed for Feeding America and, and, and all the, the organizations. And they often talk about the people that never 
thought mm-hmm. they'd be in this uh, position. Yeah. And we've talked about migrants and poor and people that are, you know, uh, uh, have going through a, a hard time. But ha- have have you uh, seen people that uh, maybe never thought they'd have to ask for food or show up? For food? Yeah. How about pilots? We have had an increasing number of pilots who, because of the pandemic, were not able to do private flying anymore for for the wealthy and now they're stuck without jobs or you know just they're just sitting expecting to the economy to get better and we have started seeing an influx of pilots <laughs> the word spread around and uh we are now helping them uh and and just like that we see people of all sorts um at the soup kitchen nowadays it it, it cannot be narrowed down anymore to one demographic or two as before it, it it's it's everybody right so let's talk i, I want to find out how you said your husband was at the soup kitchen before <laughs> you you've been there for 22 years but let's go back so what attracted you to the soup kitchen um we had a company across the street from where they started um on boynton beach boulevard and my husband uh being an engineer, he would go over there and offer his services um, as a, uh, you know, as a, for a nonprofit. And, um, right. He became friendly with everybody. And then once they moved to the new building or the building that we are in now, he became friends with Enrique Zuaneto, who was um, the prior uh, executive director prior to me. And, um, they became very friendly, very, very good friends. And one day I just went over to say hello. I had started uh, helping him out with letters before uh, he was, um, before I met him. And that's, that's how one thing led to another. And I became a volunteer. And what did you do when you, when you first became a volunteer, what did you work on? Um, it was a lot of paperwork, but at the same time, when once I, I became a full-time uh, either Thursday or Saturday uh, volunteer, I was uh, in the bread department, I believe. And then after a few years, it turned into produce when we started receiving produce. So um, we, we were giving it out, bagging it. Whatever we do now as a pantry, we did it from a very tiny corner. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and and you mentioned Enrique. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, not that we would ever for, no. forget mentioning him, but in this inaugural podcast, mm-hmm. um, if anybody should be recognized, mm-hmm. it would be Enrique. I only had the pleasure of shaking hands with him a couple of mm-hmm. times. And unfortunately, he passed mm-hmm. away. But but uh, take a moment and, and tell us about this man. Um, Enrique. Always started every day saying, it's a beautiful day at the soup kitchen. Uh, Those were the first words that he always said. Uh, He was uh, born in Argentina, and one of the proudest moments uh, for him was becoming a U.S. citizen. Uh, He had a very thick accent, but he could always be heard, you know, speaking about his children and the soup kitchen. As a matter of fact, um, instead of gifts for his birthday, he would always ask for diapers. <laughs> and that's what people gave him, diapers to bring to the soup kitchen instead of uh, birthday gifts. Um, yeah, he, he had great love for the community and he had a very kind heart, um, which made him the face of the soup kitchen. 
Um, he had a very good sense of humor and he made everybody feel like family and treated them like they, like they were. Uh, and from everything that I've heard on videos yeah. and, and read about him, his dedication and passion for this was immeasurable. Correct. Correct. And one, one of the, um, um, the, the biggest um, thing he was working on before he passed away in last um, August um, was the expansion of the soup kitchen. So I've made that my, um, my, your, your my goal, goal or, or you're on your list, high on your list of priorities. Yes, very high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And, and so as executive director of the soup kitchen, what is your day like? Today is so different than yesterday, and it, it will be so different than yes tomorrow. I I, I right. can tell you, uh, somebody who is so uh, used to order and organization, I would have never imagined uh, my days to be so different one from the other. <laughs> and uh, I have learned to live with it, and I love it. I absolutely love it. You never know who's going to come through the door. You never know who's going to donate what. You never know what's going to uh, who's going to call. Uh, it's wonderful. Um, we start the day by uh, having a pre-shift meeting with Dimitri in the morning with the volunteers. Always gets everybody in a good mood. Um, we always thank them for what they do. If it were not for them, we would not be here. Um, we open the doors and then we start feeding people. Um, we don't have the same set up as we had a year ago pre-pandemic of course because we had to shut down the dining room part so now everything has turned into a uh, pantry uh, to go Uh, however we still meet greet them we still know them we still say hello they still take a lot of food and a lot of items every day Um, we check in the back if to, to make sure that all the other programs are running carefully and well um, we look to the future, like for the expansion, we, we see what's needed. Um, uh, so much, Dick, it, it's, it, it's hard. To put it in well, you're show. a great <laughs> guest because in almost all of your answers, you say the, the thing I'm going to ask you next okay. and we will do a whole podcast okay. on it, but take a minute or two and tell our, our listeners and, and supporters and fans and guests uh, what's happening? What is the expansion project, and what's gonna? What is it gonna well, mean? Well, while we have been very fortunate to be a part of a generous and supportive community, the number of people needing assistance they continues to grow. Like I told you before, um, our economic environment, coupled with the pandemic, has created more demand than ever before on the community-based organizations. So um, that's why, you know, we have decided to continue with the expansion um, as we need um, more. We have really outgrown our physical space. And with that in mind, the board of directors and the leadership team concluded that there is no time like now to move forward with our plan to expand our building. And Mm -hmm. so uh, just briefly, Mm -hmm. uh, the the. The, the, the building is go- actually going to expand, right? That is correct. About 40%. It'll wow. be by, by about um, 2,400 square feet. 
And what we need is uh, we need plenty of room to accommodate for the increased food preparation, such as the meals on wheels. We have people on wait list right now, and we would like to take every single one of them off the wait list. So for that, we need more area to prepare the meals, to prepare the, the uh, bags. Uh, we need an updated pantry and additional storage. With that in mind as well, we, with the programs in mind, uh, we would like to also include a couple of classrooms to conduct our educational programs, like the Taking Care of Our Babies. And we're now working on a new uh, program called Lift Up, um, which will be dealing with the aging out of the foster care system, teens and young adults. And um, uh, how many more people do you think um, uh, will come through the doors when, when you have this expansion? Um, we expect an increase of about 30% at least. That's amazing. And yeah. when, when do you expect to begin and, uh, be able to, um, uh, you know, it'll be ready. The expansion will be done. What, what, uh, tell us about that, uh, the timeline. Well, the expansion will begin this spring and it would, it should be ready by the winter by winter of 2021. So hopefully before the year ends, hopefully, um, you know, we, we should be in our, our new home. By the way, <laughs> we intend to stay open every single day while we're under construction and expansion, just like we have for the last 38 years. <laughs> right. Now, you know, uh, uh, I meant to ask you this earlier, but it doesn't matter where, but you mentioned the Caridad Center. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm sure, and I know it's a wonderful association, mm -hmm. but I, but I also know that, that uh, the soup kitchen is separate from Caridad. So I, I thought you might just for a moment or two like to talk about, you know, it's the, the, the difference and how we work together with Caridad. I like, I like to think of us as uh, cousins. Because if it weren't for them, we would not be here too. Because it, it, it's it, Carrie Dad and the soup kitchen grew out of the love of two beautiful women back in the '83, uh, what who decided to start the medical center, and then they wanted, of course, to feed the people that came through the doors. Uh, at some point, it it of course it gets divided because there are two different entities, but we always try to. Do, many things together and we back each other up very very well very nice mm -hmm. now uh meals on wheels mm -hmm. again we could do and maybe we will a whole podcast sure talking to some of our just the most wonderful people at, at the um uh, i was going to say as you know but uh i i volunteer twice a week as a driver a delivery person for meals on wheels mm -hmm. and Every single time I've done it for the year and a half, I'm. It makes me happy to do it. So it's a phenomenal program. Uh, give us a moment or two on on that, on Meals on Wheels. Well, it 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 started in 2015. I don't know if this was mentioned before, um, and it grew out of. What did it grow up? It, it just, we saw the need in our Boynton area uh, where there were people that were homebound, 
They had no way of transportation. Um, they had no no uh, family members who could you know who could help them out. Right. So we started the Meals on Wheels program in 2015, and today we're delivering today as much as 150 nutritionally complete hot meals a day. Um, we have the best volunteers who like you um, deliver on a daily basis Monday to Friday we include the weekends you know along the food um, we people like you for example the, who go and and offer more than the food you know you offer companionship right. you offer some, an, an ear to, to for them to to, to talk to um, it, it the, that reward is, is not it's worth more than any, you know, any amount of money. Oh, y- yes, yes, a- absolutely. So you mentioned 150 meals a day. I'm not good with math. How many meals a month or uh, what what you must have a figure of every year? Two hundred thousand. What numbers? Uh, uh, because we deliver lunch and dinner every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you do you have uh, numbers that that I'm sure will um uh, surprise or, or excite us? It's over a hundred thousand meals a year. I don't have the figure in front of me. Oh no, that's okay. That's but... Just a round, a round figure. The the oh. um, uh, uh, the CNN isn't going to fact check you. So actually, actually, I just found it. <laughs> okay, good. He actually delivered a hundred and fifty eight thousand two hundred and twenty meals to 120 homebound seniors last year. Oh, my goodness. And again, yep. oh, and you mentioned this to me recently with, that mm-hmm. I didn't know. Most mm-hmm. Meals on Wheels programs charge mm-hmm. the recipient some, even a nominal fee, but not uh, the soup kitchen Meals on Wheels of Boynton Beach. So there are 500 Meals on Wheels uh, programs in the United States, of which five do not charge. We are one of those five. How can um, uh, 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 please tell us the uh, the website, because mm-hmm. for listeners that are not familiar or have not been to our website, um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, give us the uh, the address, please, for that. So the address is www.thesoupkitchen.org. Very good. Now, um, yeah. if. People always have questions. You know, I see questions come in on Facebook and Instagram. You know, I have something to donate. I, I want to bring something. I want to give something. How, what do, how do people uh, uh, get in touch? Do they just call the soup kitchen and, and someone will help them? Or what's the best way for them to get that information? They, um, they can reach us through Facebook, which also they donate through Facebook as well as the website. Um, they could um, donate to our uh, money. I'm talking about funds uh, to our PO box, which the address is on the website as well. And yeah. uh, they also can call us, and we uh, we will come and um, um, uh, give us whatever they have, whether it's uh, dried goods or diapers or. Uh, um, you know, uh, cans uh, or their own checks. So there are very many ways that they could contribute. Very good. Well, uh, uh, this was 
fabulous uh, inaugural uh, podcast. We're going to talk to Dimitri in a second. Um, but but I, I, I want to thank you. And I there's just so many areas that we can do specific podcasts. For example, coming up, um, uh, someone at the soup kitchen, Yolanda, mm-hmm. who uh, uh, speaks Spanish, and so do you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, I'm very excited about having a podcast for our guests to listen to so they can hear it in their language and 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 will say things that will be of interest to them uh, uh, you agree that 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 that's a a, a, a good idea for an upcoming podcast oh th- i cannot thank you enough uh, on behalf of the soup kitchen for everything that you that you have done to to get the word out to get the exposure for the soup kitchen uh we are there we're we're proud of what we do and we cannot wait to to, to help people in need you know uh, we really are there to for our community. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Soup Kitchen Podcast. Please follow us on Facebook, the Soup Kitchen of Boynton Beach. Also, Instagram and Twitter, again, the Soup Kitchen of Boynton Beach. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love your comments. Please tell your friends about our new podcast, and we'll see you soon.